Welcome to Tanakh Daily, a congregation Ahavas Torah initiative. Today, we are discussing the triumphant fifth parak of Shmuel Bet. Despite David's earnest protest, all of his adversaries in the northern kingdom have been killed. Shaul, Avner, and Ishbosheth. And the moment has now arrived for David to take full control over Israel. Nonetheless, David still doesn't simply seize power. Instead, it's the people from the northern tribes that come to Hebron. They come to David and they ask him to serve as their king. And they recognize that David has really been chosen by God for this role and has already displayed the capability to lead B'nai Yisrael. And so David is then formally anointed as king, completing the process that had begun years prior by Shmuel, who has since died, who anointed David in a private ceremony. David, of course, accepts the kingship, and his first act, or at least the first act that the text tells us about, which is likely not the first thing he does, this chronology is a little complicated in this parak, but the first thing that the text describes is the way in which David establishes a new palace, a new capital, uh, rooted in Yerushalayim. Up until this point, uh, through Sefer Yehoshua, through Shoftim, all the way until now, Yerushalayim remained uncaptured, not in the hands of B'nai Yisrael, but in the hands of the Yevusim. David, however, sets his sights on this city. It appears that initially he approaches them with a, a peace offering. He comes with, uh, with an olive branch, but that is declined. The response of the Yevusim, it's kind of cryptic. Uh, they seem to be saying, with a tremendous amount of confidence, that there is no way you could capture this city even if our walls were guarded by the blind and the lame, uh, the, the, the structure of the city, the, the, um, the ramparts are so formidable, there's simply no way you could actually breach the city. Well, they were wrong. And David does capture the city without much fanfare. The text doesn't tell us about some protracted fight. It just says David captures Yerushalayim. And this is a highly significant moment, not only because what we know Yerushalayim will become the, the, the seat of the Beis HaMikdash, not just because we know it will eternally be the capital of the Jewish people, so looking backwards retroactively or retrospectively, I mean, we know the significance of this moment. But even in that moment, there are all these layers of meaning and significance to this as David's first move. Firstly, on a political level, this was very significant and astute. If David continued to stay in Yehuda, in the city of Hebron, he would always be more connected to his own tribe, to the tribe of Yehuda, and he'd be playing to his base and not mending any fences, not building a broader coalition, and, and really demonstrating that he is the king over all, of, over all of Israel. But instead, he moves to Yerushalayim, which is exactly on the nexus of Yehuda and Binyamin. Sometimes in Tanakh it's described as, as if it's in Yehuda, and sometimes as if it is in Binyamin. And that's because it seems to be kind of right on the nexus of the two. And these are the two most important tribes. Shaul is from Binyamin, David is from Yehuda. And in that way, by being in Yerushalayim, he's linking together the north and the south, the children of Leah and the children of Rachel. It's this very loaded move, and it has great significance historically and symbolically. And it is, as I said, quite politically astute. There's an additional, I think, significance to this move, and that is that David, in his first, uh, as I said, the first move that we are learning about, at least, as, uh, as with David as king, 
uh, he is conquering land, he's conquering a difficult city to conquer that has gone unconquered since the time of Yehoshua. And so much of what we've learned since Sefer Yehoshua has been uh, uh, a, a kind of outgrowth of the failure of the first generation to conquer all of the land. And since then, there has not really been such a concerted effort to try and finish the job that Yehoshua started. And so David, right away, he's conquering new territory. He is kind of picking up, in, in a certain sense, where Yehoshua left off. And I think that that also is quite significant. After the conquest of Yerushalayim, we are told that David receives gifts from a foreign ruler with raw materials that he uses to build his palace in Yerushalayim, which only goes to affirm David's success and his far-reaching acclaim. We learn that David's family continues to grow. Specifically, we learn that he has a son named Shlomo, which we know with our kind of knowing how the story progresses, that that's a highly significant little detail. And then we are told that the Plishtim uh, come to attack B'nai Israel, And they do so ha- having heard that David was coronated, which suggests to us, by the way, that this happens earlier than some of the things that we've already discussed in the parak. As I said, chronology is a little jumbled. The, the point of the parak is not so much to give a historical accounting of David's kingship, so much as a kind of 30,000-foot view over some of the significant successes of David's early rule. So now we've kind of dealt with his establishment of a, of a home rooted in Yerushalayim. And now we move to uh, two battles against the Plishtim. The Plishtim make an advance. David seeks counsel from Hashem. He consults the Urim Batumim. Hashem tells him to go and fight the Plishtim. He is successful. And then that happens once more. They come once again to attack. David once again consults the Urim Batumim. He is told to go and attack. He's, the second time, it's a little bit more complex. He's told a particular maneuver in order to uh, surprise the Plishtim, he does that. He is successful at driving back the Plishtim. And, uh, and that's, that's basically the, the narrative of the Perek. It's a, it's a Perek of successes. David leads B'nai Israel wisely in good faith to Hashem. He conquers Yerushalayim. He builds a home there. He builds his family there. And he defeats the Plishtim. As a kind of cherry on top to the whole Perek, we're told that when David drives back the Plishtim, they run in such a hurry that they leave behind their idols. And David and his men take them, not to worship them, Unclear what happens with them, but it's still a, a highly significant moment. This is pointed out in the Dat Mikra. Yehuda Kale is the author of this volume, and he notes that this is actually a moment of great significance, a kind of coming full circle. You'll recall that at the very beginning of Sefer Shmuel, B'nai Israel retreat from the Plishtim, and the Plishtim take the Aron, which was a matter of great humiliation and a great Chil Hashem. Now, with David as the king, with David at the helm, B'nai Israel avenge that disgrace. And now they are able to, in a certain respect, humiliate the Plishtim in the very same way. They're able to, to take the, the idol of the Plishtim. And it's a subtle reference, but it's a very powerful statement of how David's kingship has so thoroughly corrected B'nai Israel's fate and improved their lot very much for the better. That's it for today. Chazak ve'ematz and happy learning.